What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 8th. Coming up today. Smoke blankets the Northeast, and it could last a few more days. Former President Donald Trump learns he's under criminal investigation. President Biden vetoes a bill aimed at killing his student debt relief. And we hear from Ray Dalio and Brian Monahan at this year's Bloomberg Invest Conference in New York. Germany blames Russia for the destruction of a dam in southern Ukraine. Plus, New York City sues 30 counties for blocking deals to house migrants. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Mets in Atlanta lost their fifth in a row. The Nuggets beat the Heat and lead the NBA Finals two games to one. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We want to get an update first on the smoky blanket billowing across the East Coast. It could stay with us a few more days. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Nathan, the haze and smoke from those fires in Quebec and Ontario will return today and tomorrow. Our meteorologist Rob Carolyn tells us a low-pressure system over Atlantic Canada is going to start to pull away over the next few days. Shouldn't be as bad across the tri-state area. Visibility will be a bit better, but there will be some smoke. And yesterday, the Boston area escaped the smoke, and they should do so again today. It definitely looks hazy in Washington today. Now, the wildfire smoke is hazardous in part because it contains tiny inhalable particles. The health experts recommend everybody limit their time outdoors. Now, the air quality index in New York City reached 392 yesterday. That's a level considered to be hazardous for all groups, including healthy people. For comparison's sake, 200 is the equivalent of smoking an entire pack of cigarettes. Uh, breathing polluted air also linked to an increased risk for dementia. And Nathan and Karen, being at work could be the safest place. Modern buildings, air handling and ventilation systems are operated to optimize indoor air quality and use high efficiency filters. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, another major story we're following this morning takes us to politics. Former President Donald Trump has been notified that he is a target in a classified documents case. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The notification in a letter from the Justice Department saying that this is the result of the federal probe. Prosecutors have been building a case, including testimony from former aides, including former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Meadows has testified before federal grand juries in Washington and Miami for special counsel Jack Smith. The Justice Department is required to notify individuals if they are a target based on substantial evidence linking that person to the commission of a crime. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thank you. On Capitol Hill today, House Republicans had planned to vote on holding FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt. Now, that's been called off. House Oversight Chairman James Comer says the FBI has, quote, caved and is letting all members of his committee see a disputed document. Republicans claim the document links President Biden to wrongdoing by an unnamed foreign national. 
Meantime, Nathan, President Biden has vetoed a bill aimed at killing his high-profile student debt relief program. In a White House video, the president said he'll keep fighting to make sure college is cheaper. Some of the same members of Congress who supported this bill voted to huge tax cuts for corporations and the wealthy as well. But when it comes to hardworking Americans trying to get ahead, dealing with the student debt relief, that's where they drew the line. President Biden did not address some of the congressional Democrats who broke with him on the bill. Senators Joe Manchin and Joe Tester and Democrat-turned-independent Kirsten Sinema joined with Republicans to vote against the student debt relief measure. Well, Karen, U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is in Washington. Later today, he takes part in a joint news conference with President Biden. That's on the heels of a meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy yesterday. When our bond is stronger, the world is safer and democracy grows further. When we've stood together, I agree with you, the world has benefited. And what we need to do now is figure out how do we make sure that that relationship is strong to deal with the challenges of the future. I know that's what we're going to be talking about, but particularly strengthening our economies, because that's what it's all about. And Prime Minister Sunak's joint news conference with President Biden is set for 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And we turn to Wall Street now, Nathan, and we've been speaking with some high-profile names at the Bloomberg Invest Conference in New York. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan tells us higher capital requirements will hit lending. That's after reports that large U.S. banks may have to boost their capital by an average of 20 percent. You know, at the end of the day, it's a fairly straightforward. If our capital ratios go up by 100 basis points, we basically, you know, simply put, you can't make about $150 billion of loans. And it, because people say, well, you have more capital, you can make more loans. But if we took risk on that capital, we wouldn't have that capital ratio. So it has to be a riskless build of capital. It can't be out there taking risk. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan spoke with Bloomberg's David Weston. Stay tuned for more of that interview coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak. And we also heard from Larry Dalio at Bloomberg Invest. Karen, the billionaire founder of Bridgewater Associates, thinks we're getting close to the end of Fed interest rate hikes. Interest rates are now at a level that they're probably going to stay at, but they're probably not going to rise much from here, and there's tightness. And the consequences of that are going to be a weaker economy going forward. And Ray Dalio predicts the U.S. economy will get weaker from here. Catch the full conversation and all our best interviews each day on the daily Bloomberg Talks podcast. Well, Nathan, we also caught up with Kim Kardashian. She was at the Super Return Conference in Berlin. The reality TV star turned entrepreneur presented her debut private equity fund to a crowd of curious investors. And she spoke with David Rubenstein. I'm honestly most looking forward to my relationships with the founders. I love hearing people's stories and hearing what their magic sauce is behind their their company and and why they wanted to start the company that they did and, and what their vision is and just hope that I can help that. And Kim Kardashian's private equity fund, Sky Partners, is targeting up to 12 investments, each requiring anywhere from 100 to $500 million of equity. And to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Germany blamed Russian President Vladimir Putin for the destruction of the Kakova Dam in southern Ukraine. Germany was joined by other European NATO members in denouncing it as a war crime. The U.S. has yet to make an assessment on what caused the dam to collapse. State Department spokesman Vedant Patel says while it is still trying to figure out what happened, the U.S. government is mobilizing humanitarian resources. 
I'm certainly not going to get into internal assessments, and um, uh, but I will note that we continue to be in close touch with uh, Ukrainian authorities on providing assistance to uh, the civilians displaced, as well as uh, continuing to assess uh, uh, what transpired. Ukrainian authorities are rushing supplies of drinking water to areas affected by flooding from the collapsed dam. Supreme Court justices and other federal justices released their annual reports disclosing paid travel, outside income, investments, significant gifts, and the source of spousal income. Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito have asked for an extension, which means their filings won't arrive until after the end of the term. President Joe Biden has invited thousands of LGBTQ individuals to the White House today to celebrate Pride Month. Biden plans to announce new initiatives to protect communities from attacks. White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre. We believe that uh, not only does this community need to be celebrated and continue to be celebrated, as he's done many times before in this in this past two years, uh, but we also need to make sure that we let the community know uh, that the president has their back and we're going to continue to fight for them. White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre is the first openly gay press secretary. It's the next chapter in the battle over the flood of migrants to New York City and upstate counties. The Big Apple sued 30 upstate and Long Island counties for issuing executive orders blocking local hotels and motels from contracting to house migrants sent from the city. New York Mayor Eric Adams says the suit is aimed at ending xenophobic bigotry. Meanwhile, Mayor Adams plans to direct a cumulative $60 billion of contractual work to minority and women-owned businesses by 2030. The goal is requiring the city to more than double its annual rate of contracts to underrepresented communities. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, game three of the NBA Finals in Miami and some triple-double history. Denver's Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, first teammates to both have them in a finals game. But more than that, they're the first teammates in any NBA game, regular or postseason, to both have triple-doubles and both score at least 30 points. Jokic scored 32 at 21 rebounds. Murray went for 34 Got his 10th board with nine seconds left. They both had 10 assists. Denver beat the Heat 109-94 and leading the series now 2-1. Nuggets shot 51%. The Heat only 37. Denver was plus 25 in rebounding. Game four tomorrow, another loss for the Mets. Second night in a row in Atlanta where they had a 4-1 lead sixth inning. Braves again came back. Won 7-5 on a Michael Harris two-run homer in the eighth off Adam Adovino. The Mets have lost five in a row. Yankees and White Sox, air quality now. Doubleheader today starting at four. Rory McIlroy tees off today at the Canadian Open. His first public reaction to the PGA Live merger. McIlroy had been the most outspoken against Live, which he says he still hates. And he admits to a feeling of being a sacrificial lamb, but he said the merger was somewhat inevitable. PIF and the Saudis want to spend money in the game of golf. It is they, they want to do this, and they weren't going to stop. So, how can, you know, the thing for me, and this is one thing that I've always thought about, how can we get that money into the game, but use it the right way? McElroy supported in battle PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan. They'll play the women's semifinals today at the French Open. Lionel Messi will play Major League Soccer in Miami. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Millions of Americans are waking up this morning following visions of apocalyptic orange skies. Wildfires from Canada have sent smoke billowing across the Northeast, and air quality warnings have been up from Massachusetts through New York City all the way into Washington, D.C. and beyond. So how much longer can this last? When will it end? Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn is here with us live to help answer some of those questions. Rob, you know it's bad when the sky's orange during the yes. day. Is it going to be as bad in the East Coast as it was yesterday? Well, Nathan, the worst of it yesterday was in the tri-state area. That's where we saw those visibilities under two miles and very heavy smoke. And the visibility is poor this morning around southern New York. I'm looking at visibilities right now under two miles from the Hudson River Valley across Long Island and into the city. So uh, it gets a little bit better as the day goes on in New York. Some of the smoke's going to disperse, but it's certainly going to be hazy. Much of the Boston area yesterday missed out on it. We had visibilities in 10 miles. There was some smoke, but certainly nothing like what we saw in New York City. We did have quite a bit of haze in the district in Boston. Baltimore. That continues today. The big problem is we are stuck in a stagnant weather pattern. Low pressure is stalled over eastern New England and eastern Canada. That's what's pulling all of this smoke out of Quebec and Ontario, and it will continue to do so today, tomorrow, and into Saturday. It looks like a system coming out of the western United States is going to help kick this low out and weaken it. So we'll start to see gradual improvement by Sunday in the air quality across the northeast, Ohio River Valley, and mid-Atlantic region. It definitely gets better into next week as the weather 
weather pattern starts to change. Is a stalled weather pattern like this unusual, Rob? I mean, when you see scenes like this, the words climate change immediately come to mind. Is that something that's on your radar? Well, we've been in a very blocky pattern so far this spring. Uh, Nathan, just a week ago, we were sitting underneath high pressure and we had sunshine for eight days over the northeastern United States. It's not unusual to see the blocks develop in the spring and continue into the early summer. What seems to be driving this block is the fact that we've got the Greenland ice sheet melting more than normal. That has been forming a cold pool of water south of Greenland. Right now, that cold pool of water is closer to the east coast than it's been the last couple of springs and summers, and that's what's been leading to this persistent pattern of upper-level low-pressure system developing over the northeastern United States at times through the spring and early summer. So that could be attributed to the changes that we're seeing with the climate in the northern hemisphere. Just 30 seconds left, Rob. Your advice for people how to deal with this smoke for this week. Well, the smoke yesterday in New York was unprecedented since the like the 1780s. You'd have to go back that far into the climate past to come up with something like this. Um, I would say people with respiratory distress stay inside. Those folks who have to go out, N95 masks are probably a good idea in the tri-state area. You should be okay in Boston and D.C. today. Just don't do anything strenuous, especially if you suffer from respiratory distress. Really appreciate this, Rob. Thank you. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carroll, and we're going to be checking back with you uh, throughout the morning here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, we want to turn now from apocalyptic weather to the outlook from one of Wall Street's biggest banks. The United States has to be a beacon of stability and strength in the world. That's the word from Bank of America CEO and Chairman Brian Moynihan. He's talking about the U.S. economy in the wake of a drawn-out debt ceiling battle and where he sees things going from here. Moynihan sat down for a wide-ranging interview with David Weston at the Bloomberg Invest Conference in New York. Let's listen to part of that conversation now. You know, when I ask people, is this disruptive or not, all the experts tell me, Yes and no. And yes, in the hand, there's a lot of issuance, but no, everybody knew it was coming. And so it may move sort of trading markets around. But fundamentally, the idea that the government was going to you know, run out of money was not something people were planning on. So we'll see. Does, does it put any kind of a crimp in your ability to lend? Uh, I mean, that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of money sitting at the Fed and the overnight repo facility and money funds has just been put back. And it, so the dynamics of how this all moves around is interesting. I don't think and the, and, the, and the worry would be it took deposits out of the banking system. But, you know, there's I, I, I'm not sure people see that as a big issue. And by the way, it, the Treasury Secretary, and I think they said today they will do this on a non-disruptive basis because they don't they just ran down to thirty nine billion. We're still able to pay the bills. So they, they don't need to get there tomorrow and they'll build it up over time. But their goal is to get back in a more regular way. The, the best news about this whole dialogue is the they've got an agreement that extends a period of time so we shouldn't have to deal with this for a while which is really critical because the united states has to be the beacon of stability strength in the world and at times when this discussion's going on and you travel the world everybody gets fixated on it because the united states is the benchmark of benchmarks and if it goes completely somehow accidentally it's a real problem and so they would get all fixated and all this sort of activity into planning for it and what would happen and all our company it, it just it would just be better if it didn't go on, but it's a political process and they have. There are reports, and I don't think it's unexpected to anybody that there's going to be an increase in capital requirements. If that goes forward, will it have any effect on your ability to make loans? There are m multiple discussions which get sort of pushed together. There's the standards for the final finalization of Basel, mm -hmm. which is this broad set of things. Uh, that's going on. This stress test is going on that we forget about, but that's going on also. And that resulted in some surprises in the industry in terms of capital demands last year. And then there's, uh, um, and then there's the question of 
applying standards that apply to the GSIB banks, the biggest banks in broader in the platform because of the size of some of the banks. And so all three of those things get mixed together a little bit. But, you know, in the end of the day, it, it's a fairly straightforward. If our capital ratios go up by 100 basis points, we basically, you know, simply put, um, can't make about $150 billion of loans. And it, because people say, well, you have more capital, you can make more loans. But if we took risk on that capital, we wouldn't have that capital ratio. So it has to be a riskless build of capital. Can't be out there taking risk. So the only thing you can really do is leave it in cash or buy treasury securities. And, and that's not a very productive use of, of, of money. So, um, and if you had it, 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 and that's the problem. And so every time capital goes up, there's a, there's a countervailing effect to it impacts lending. So I, I see actually a survey was done in this room of the likelihood of a recession in Q1 of 2024. And it looks like, uh, what is that, 65% of the people agree with your research. Isn't that good, good to know you've got, <laughs> you've got a ratification there? Yeah, it, one thing we always have to be careful, if I, somebody educated me once that the forward projection of recession by economists is always like 15 or 20%. So anything <laughs> above that means that they're convinced. So we'll see. <laughs> When we talk about costs, what about headcount? I know you said that it's not so much you're laying off as you're just not hiring as many as you were a year ago. Well, this goes back to economic, and I even talked to customers. So last May we hired 30,000 people, uh, 3,000 people, excuse me. This May we hired, you know, six, 700, and that's all because the turnover rate fell because last year we were in the middle of great resignation, and now it's completely different. So we, you know, we went from 12% turnover in a company, which is sort of the long-term level we're at pre-pandemic, down to six, up to 15, and now back down, getting close to six. So. We don't have to hire as many people, yet we keep managing the headcount down. More broadly, do you think the job market is a bit softer than what the Fed realizes? I think if you talk to employers today in the technology spaces, there's always specialized things like uh, welders in certain businesses and high and manufacturing uh, help, explosion in the Midwest just having been out there. But in general, it's much less tight than it was in the spot market. And that's why the current rates going down and all that stuff, you just see it in the amount of hires. And you know, so job postings are still high. I'm not sure CEOs that I talk to are pushing people to fill those as much as fill them when you have to. And that, that has a dampening effect on the labor market that won't show up in the aggregate numbers. It, employment's still at 3.7% you know, unemployment. It's still very mm -hmm. strong. And so the big debate, when you, if you want to drive your economists crazy, say, how can you have an unemployment-less recession? And, you know, they can't quite get there. And that's kind of the interesting question. And so even the highest predictors of uh, unemployment don't even get the 5%, which is hard to square. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak.
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.